Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 14. So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So far, God's holy word. In the name of Christ, the sole source of true humility, dear fellow redeemed. According to Webster's Dictionary, humility is defined as freedom from pride or arrogance. Humility is viewed as an admirable quality that someone can possess. It's no secret that people would rather be around someone who is humble about their status rather than someone who is arrogant or prideful. False humility is when someone acts humble when they really aren't. They want to come off as a likable person to public opinion, and so they put on a facade or a mask to come across as something they are not. One of the best examples we have of false humility is in the Pharisees of Jesus' day. On the outside, they carried themselves in a way that appeared to display humility, following God's law to the smallest detail, much better than anyone else, or so they thought. And to people who cannot look into the heart, it seemed as if the Pharisees were the most humble and the most holy people in Israel. They were the example to follow. It was an honorable thing to become a Pharisee. However, Jesus can look into the heart. And he saw through the facade of our righteousness. And he called them out for their false humility and their idolatry of self. On a regular basis, the Pharisees were blinded by their self-importance instead of seeing and trusting in the one who had perfect humility. And so our theme for today is, only Jesus has true humility. During Jesus' time, it was customary for guests to recline on low-lying couches at supper, rather than to sit in chairs like we do. It was also customary for the more distinguished guest to sit at the left side of the couch because that had the best view of the host. This was a situation going on when Jesus noticed the other Pharisees scrambling to take those seats of higher honor. And so he says to them, 
When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give the place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. It seems like a pretty obvious lesson, doesn't it? Suppose you were invited to a wedding and you go and you sit down at the table that was meant for the parents of the wedding couple. It would be an embarrassing and shameful thing for the bride and groom to come up to you and say, move to the back of the venue. That is the instance that Jesus is describing here. It is a presumptuous and arrogant person who would take the seat of high honor when, for themselves when someone more honorable could come in later. Instead, Jesus says it is better to sit in the lowly places and to receive the honor of the host saying to you in the presence of all, you are more worthy, come up here. Now, Jesus is not simply giving instructions on how to avoid a bear embarrassment at a wedding feast or how to receive honor in the presence of all. He, of course, is talking about displaying true humility. And this is brought out in verse 11. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Who ultimately is the one who humbles and the one who exalts? It is God. Consider King Nebuchadnezzar. Here was someone who put so much pride in the glory of his nation, Babylon. He gave himself all the credit for his successes and his wondrous buildings, and he exalted himself into the likeness of a god. But do you remember what happened to him? Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And Daniel interpreted this dream and he said to him that it was the Most High God who was declared that you, Nebuchadnezzar, will eat grass like an ox for seven years because of his great pride. God is the one who humbles. On the other side, consider Micah 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Bethlehem was considered small and insignificant. And yet Bethlehem is exalted because from that town the Savior was born. It is God who exalts. Sadly, the Pharisees were much like Nebuchadnezzar. They were obsessed with their works and their keeping of God's law that they failed to see how short they really fell in keeping his law. Their, blind, their pride and arrogance blinded them to true humility that would in turn give them true exaltation. And Jesus doubles down on this when he addresses the host of the dinner in verses 12 and 13. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. 
Now, he's not saying that you should never invite your friends or relatives to dinner. He is talking about the attitude in the heart. Instead of inviting those who would feel a debt to be repaid to you, invite those who can pay you back nothing. True humility does not ask for anything in return. It is completely selfless. Another word for this humility is love. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, and does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Again, here was an area where this Pharisee failed. Jesus saw in his heart and the intent behind why he invited who he did. It was to make himself appear more honorable. And Jesus also puts into perspective what kind of honor is truly important. It is not the honor that we receive here in this life, but it is that honor that is rewarded in the resurrection of the just. Jesus is not just doing this to shame the Pharisees there present, but he wants to warn them about the spiritual condition of their heart. And the Holy Spirit recorded this lesson for the same purpose. It serves as a warning for us to pay attention to the spiritual condition of our own heart. Truth be told, we are often like the Pharisees. There is no human alive that is perfectly humble. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Who among us has not fallen into these sins? These sins may not always manifest themselves in actions that we commit, but they are often sins of the heart. And sins of the heart are just as damning as sins of action. Do you remember Webster's definition of humility? Freedom from pride and arrogance. This is the most basic form of humility, and even that we cannot perform on a regular basis. And Jesus says to us, beware of the condition of your own heart. Do not seek to gain humility by your own ability, because you can only muster a false humility. Instead, we are to put our trust in Him and ask for God's help in receiving true humility, Jesus' humility. And what is this true humility? Paul describes it in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus had everything. He was the Most High God, the Creator of the universe. There was nothing that he lacked. And yet he set all that aside to be, become human, to take on our form. 
And it was more than just becoming of no reputation, but he took the form of a bondservant, a slave. And if that wasn't bad enough, he even took on his innocent shoulders the sins of all people. All the sins of Adam and Eve and every other person that has lived or will ever live. That number of sins is innumerable. And he suffered the punishment for all of them. For many years, especially during the Middle Ages, public punishment for criminals meant to be thrown into the stocks with their crime made public so that people could walk by and shame them. That was what happened to Jesus. Except it wasn't the sins that he committed, but it was our sins and our shame that he took upon himself. At any point, Jesus could have said, no more, and returned to heaven. But he didn't. He willingly became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, the punishment that was reserved for the worst of criminals. And Jesus also displayed that perfect love that Paul described in 1 Corinthians 13. It is because of his long-suffering and selfless love that Jesus continually appealed to the Pharisees to repent of their sins and believe in him. It was because of that long-suffering and selfless love that Jesus calls us to repent of our sins and to believe in him. To receive Jesus' humility, we must empty ourselves. We must empty ourselves of all self-proclaimed worthiness and righteousness because there is no room for our righteousness in Jesus' humility. It is the Holy Spirit who works in us to do this, to confess our sins and our unworthiness before the throne of God. He teaches us to pin our sins on the cross of Christ and be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. This is what we do every Sunday in the confession and absolution. We are bringing our multitude of sins before the throne of God. We are emptying ourselves of any self-merit and asking God for his grace and mercy. And when the pastor proclaims that the absolution to you, you are receiving that grace and mercy from God that Jesus won for you. You are receiving your Savior's humility. It's like you're at a wedding feast, sitting in the lowliest of place, and God comes and says to you, come, move to a better place. He sees you as an honored guest because you are covered by the righteousness of Christ. Your exaltation is rooted in Christ Jesus. So how is it that we follow in Jesus' humility? Ephesians 2 verse 10 for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has laid out before you countless opportunities to share the love that Jesus had for you to other people. These opportunities come about without us even realizing that we are doing a good work for God. The love that Jesus has for you produces a love that does not remain contained in the heart, but it is shared. It is a joy and honor and a lifelong vocation to spread the good news of Jesus' humility that gives life 
for all who call upon his name. True humility versus fake humility. While the secular world may debate what the difference is between the two, we know that spiritually the difference is really great. False humility is what every single person creates by nature. True humility is shown to us in Jesus' perfect life and death that he did as our substitute. There is no other source of true humility. By faith we put our hope and trust in Jesus and we receive God's grace and mercy because of him. By faith we receive our Savior's humility and because of him we will be raised by God on the last day receiving that ultimate exaltation, eternal life with him. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.